0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today, as you know, as you would well know, I hope you have remembered, it is Mother's Day. It's a day that we take to acknowledge Mothers, the place of mothers in our lives, in their work and service on our behalf. And I didn't plan it, but in Lord's Day 46, we come to the part of the Lord's Prayer about our Father. How do you turn a sermon about our Father in heaven into a Mother's Day sermon? Well, that would be extremely difficult, and so I'm not going to try. No, we come in the Catechism... In the section on prayer, to the part where we address our Father. Our Father in Heaven. And as we will see, that is significant. It's very significant that we can address God, the Almighty God of Heaven and Earth, as our Father. We can address God as our Father because, as we've mentioned before, has been mentioned here, prayer is a Christian activity. Prayer is communicating with God. Prayer is speaking to God, praising Him, asking Him for what we need for body and soul. Prayer belongs to Christians, those who know God, have been brought near to God, have been adopted by God. Prayer is for those who have been bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and who have been brought into that relationship with God, which is a relationship of Father with children. Prayer is the activity of God's children. And therefore, as the Lord Jesus taught His disciples to pray, He taught them to address God as... Father, our Father. And that was only fitting. And yet at the same time, it is extremely profound. Those two words, our Father, addressing God as our Father, communicate the full scope of God's almighty and eternal plan of redemption. What God has set out to do for this world before He even created it. That's what we express when we call on God as our Father. All that God has done in creating this world, in, in saving Noah and his family from the flood, in establishing his covenant relationship with Abraham and his seed, in being faithful to that covenant, to that promise to be their God through all his people's failures and trespasses, until finally, at the time that he had sent out, uh, planned out, He sent His own, His beloved, His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to pay the penalty for our sin. That we might be brought near to God. That we might be children of God. And so that we might be able to call out to God. And know Him and address Him as our Father. Nothing less than that. Our Father. And it also encapsulates all that God has done since then as well in in sending His Spirit into the world and gathering, defending, and preserving a church through rise and fall of kingdoms, of generations and persecutions and trials, through apathy and neglect, in times of reformation and renewal, until the good news of Jesus Christ came into your life and into your heart and it penetrated your heart so that you were reborn. So that you could address God as our Father. Because of all that which has happened, you are able to close your eyes, bow your head, and simply Sincerely, meaningfully, and profoundly say those words. Our Father. Our Father in Heaven. God has become our Father through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we call on Him with childlike reverence and trust. God is our Father. And since God is our Father through Jesus Christ, we can pray in a childlike manner. We pray as God's children, adopted through the work of Jesus Christ. And we pray with, we'll see, with childlike reverence and also with childlike trust. That prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray is quite simple. It's not very long. It's not very confusing but yet it is pr- very profound it's profound in the intimacy and the closeness that's expressed in it and that closeness is probably most expressed in that word father father in fact this closeness was was so well understood by the early church that they did not allow anyone but members of the church to at any time say the Lord's Prayer. In our time and in gatherings of of Christians and non-Christians alike, there are times when we will say the Lord's Prayer. But in the early church, that would have been forbidden. Only Christians can really say the Lord's Prayer because only Christians can call on God as our Father. Only Christians can express that, that closeness and that intimacy with God that's expressed in those words. I think rightly did they make that provision. And you come to understand that more when you understand what the Lord Jesus was actually communicating when He taught the disciples and us to address God as our Father in our prayers. The background of Jesus' teaching is, of course, the background for all of Jesus' teaching was the Old Testament. But in striking contrast to the practice of the Lord Jesus and what he taught his disciples to do, God is never addressed in the Old Testament directly as Father. The Old Testament speaks about God's fatherhood. God speaks about his fatherhood with the people of Israel. He teaches them about that. But we never have an example of anyone calling out to God and saying, Father. In the broader Jewish world that we know of in the time of the Lord Jesus, there are only a few and indirect references to anyone calling on God as Father. There's nothing as, as clearly direct as the teaching of of the Lord Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray our Father. So from what we can see, this was an entirely new thing. To call out to God in prayer as Father. And yet, for the Lord Jesus, addressing God as Father was his normal way of addressing God. Perhaps the most intimate, the most significant time that the Lord Jesus addressed God as Father is shown to us in Mark chapter 14 in the Garden of Gethsemane where the Lord Jesus is struggling with the burden of of sin the curse of God's people which, which hung on his shoulders and which he knew he would have to bear to the cross but yet which was so overwhelming that he fell to his knees and three times called out to God. Jesus, in need of, of reassurance, of, of support and perspective, calls out to God as, in Mark 14, verse 36, Abba, Father. He calls out to God as Abba, Father. And in fact... Many explainers believe that when the Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer, he would have most likely taught them to pray the word Abba. The Lord Jesus spoke Aramaic. Many Jews in in Israel at that time in Judea spoke Aramaic. That word Abba is in the language Aramaic. And if the Lord Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray our Father, in heaven, how would be your name? He would have been teaching them beginning with our Abba, our Abba Father. What is that word Abba, Father? What does that word Abba communicate? Well, many, and I must admit I have done so myself, have expressed or taught or understood this word Abba to be similar to the word Daddy in English. Daddy, it's like calling the Lord Daddy, like like a young child would call out to their father, or like even an infant might say Dada. It's a very simple expression, it's very easy, you can almost hear a, a baby gurgling those words, Abba. And it's an idea that preaches well. It, it resonates. It resonates with our hearts. It expresses intimacy in a way that, that it's hard to understand that such intimacy with God is possible. And there is a, a point in that comparison. And that is because the Lord Jesus Himself teaches us to come to the Lord with childlike faith and trust, but there is one problem with this comparison, saying that Abba means daddy, and that is that Abba does not mean daddy. Now, likely, this word developed from uh, a child's first words, just like see the word dad in English might have developed or did develop from the word daddy or dada. You go from dada to daddy to dad as you mature in life. And dada and abba sound very familiar. Abba sounds like those first cooing noises of a child. And as I said, there there certainly is something true in the intimacy with which uh, or in which our relationship with God exists that there's truth to that. But at the time that Jesus was teaching His disciples to pray, using that word Abba, that word Abba was used by adult children to speak to their father. It was not simply used by infants or children. It was used by fully grown, mature, married, even advanced in age adults to refer to their father. So it was not the same As in our language, we would say daddy. Probably the best translation for this word Abba is something like dear father. It expresses that relationship, but it's it's another level of intimacy. Not simply father, but as you would address your father in a very close setting. At a time when you would really want to speak something serious to your father, dear father. It's a term that expresses intimacy and closeness, but also has a strong sense of respect and reverence. It's important to keep those two things in, in mind. In our, in our times, there's a, a strong push that we need to relate to God in ways that are more childish, ways that are more infantile. Uh, we need to, to babble to God, you'll read about in some books. Uh, we, we need to express ourselves very simply, and only simply to God. And, and the emphasis is entirely on this intimacy and closeness. But these words, Abba Father, express, yes, intimacy and closeness, but also reverence and respect. When the Lord Jesus was calling out to God in the Garden of Gethsemane, He was not becoming infantile or childish in His address to God. No, He was struggling with the immensity of His calling, and He was overwhelmed by the unchangeable purpose that God had set on His shoulders. And yet, He knew God. He had known Him from all eternity. And so, in His agony and His pain and in the immensity of His task, He called out to God. He fell back on that most intimate but also most reverent and submissive relationship that He had with the Eternal Father. And it was in that relationship and under those circumstances that He called out to Him and He said, Abba, Father. The Lord Jesus took those words, powerful words, on his lips as he addressed the father and brothers and sisters so can we so do we it's amazing if you consider it that up to that point only jesus had ever cried out to god in this way but through jesus christ and the work of the holy spirit we too can call out to god in this way with all of that closeness and all of that reverence As Paul says, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We cry, Abba, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus Christ being brought near to God, we call out to the three times Holy God and we can call Him our dear Father. The same weight, the same closeness of relationship that the Lord Jesus expressed in the Garden of Gethsemane, we express through His powerful work to the Father In heaven. In those words, our Father is a childlike reverence, closeness, but also submission, respect. You too can call on God, your dear Father, at any time, in any situation. You can stand in Jesus Christ on His completed work, on all that He has done on your behalf, and address the Holy Creator of of heaven and earth, the eternal God, as your own dear Father. Because He is. We ought to come to Him with reverence, with deference, and with submission. Because our Father in heaven is the Almighty and three times holy God. Praying our Father as the Lord Jesus taught us to pray our Father. He wasn't teaching us to become childish or immature in our relationship to God. But He was teaching us to, in fact, grow up in our maturity. Ever gaining a deeper sense of the majesty and power and salvation of God our Father. And so we call on Him with childlike reverence. Right along this childlike reverence, we address God with childlike trust. Childlike trust. Indeed, understanding the reason for our reverence, the the almighty power of God, gives us even more reason to trust in Him. Consider the words in heaven. We pray... Our Father in heaven. Well, in heaven refers not just to where God is, somewhere up there in the heavens. No, but that word actually is more meant to express God's majesty and power. We can't comprehend God. We can't comprehend His power and His majesty. But one way to to sort of package all of that in two words is to say, in heaven above us, far greater than us, far more powerful than us. That's what those words in heaven mean. Having all the spiritual and cosmic resources at His beck and call. God is that powerful. Then we have every reason to trust Him. And no reason not to trust Him. Knowledge of God kindles childlike trust in Him. That needs to be said because that's not everyone's default reaction when it comes to the fatherhood of God. Because the reality is for some that their fathers do much harm to the title of father. They make it difficult for these children even as they grow up into adults, to understand how a father can be good, can be loving, can be trustworthy. It makes it very hard for them to grasp the concept of a loving father and even hard sometimes to call out to him. Now, this leads some to find it very difficult. It's a struggle that they they try to overcome in their lives. And God will certainly help them with that when they ask Him for help. But this has led others to say that we need to end with the title Father. God being a Father, that won't do anymore. There's been too much harm done by too many fathers, by too many men. We need to start calling God our mother. The word father has overtones of authoritarian, totalitarian, and abusive power structures. Well, it is Mother's Day today. Would we honor God by changing His person, by changing His title, by addressing Him differently? No, we would not. And in fact, we cannot. It is impossible, as well as wrong, to change the way we address our Father in heaven. Because He is our Father. He is unchangeable. He never changes. He was Father before the creation of the world as he dwelt in perfect unity with his Son Jesus Christ. He is the the, the prototype Father. He's the perfect Father. If a car comes off the assembly line and there's something wrong with it, there's two possibilities. One is that the prototype, the one according to which all the cars are designed, that there's something wrong with that. Or the other possibility is that something happened in the process. Now, there's nothing wrong with the prototype, but there's something wrong with the car that just came off the line. Well, with respect to our Heavenly Father... There is nothing wrong with Him. But we know concerning our fathers in this world, there is something wrong with them. They are affected by sin. And some have done very sinful things. But it will not do to, to change our Father in heaven and attempt to change our fathers here on earth. No. In fact, for those who have been hurt by their fathers here on earth, they can know that they have a good Father in heaven. They have a Father who will never harm them. Who will always work for their good. Who has overcome sin to save them. To draw them near to Himself. I'm not saying that it's easy to do. But it is necessary to do, to rightly understand how good and loving and caring and trustworthy God the Father is. In order to do that, you need to consider who He is and what He has done. That He is the first and the only and the truest Father. He is the Father that every other Father on this earth should strive to be like. He is the perfect Father. And knowing the Father more as He truly is, teaches us to trust Him more. Now, who is this Father? I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Belgic Confession, Article 1. That's on page 501 of your book of praise, as you can find in your pew. This teaches us about the one only God. It doesn't mention the word Father, but as we address God as our Father, all these characteristics here expressed are caught up in that address. He is, it says we believe, we all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth that there is only one God who is simple and spiritual being. He is eternal. He was the Father before any one of us came to be. He always has been the Father and He always will be the Father. He is incomprehensible. His ways are higher than our ways. He is immutable. That means unchangeable. Our Heavenly Father does not change. He always has been good. He always will be good. He is infinite, like incomprehensible. He is a Father in ways that we cannot even... Understand. He is beyond fatherhood as we can understand it. It is much greater and better. He is almighty. He is a powerful father. He is a perfectly wise father. He is just. Our father in heaven always does what is right. He is good. He never works for the harm or the detriment of His children. But He always does what is good for them. Even though He is incomprehensible, we do not always understand what He is doing. He is always working for the good of His people. He is, in fact, the overflowing fountain of all good from the storehouse of our Father's goodness. Just like a generous father would give to their children all that they need, So our Father in Heaven pours His goodness into our hearts and into our lives. The more we know our Father in Heaven as He truly is, the more we will learn to, and even be compelled to, trust Him in every situation. Childlike trust further understands that this incredible relationship with the Father is possible only through the work of Jesus Christ. The childlike trust which grows from the understanding of God's great love and power, moving through the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus Christ, has no reason then not to, as the Heidelberg Catechism expresses, not to expect all that we need for body and soul. Not necessarily what we want, but what we need. Not necessarily what we think we need, but that which God, our Father in Heaven, knows that we need. And now let me just finish off with this. Because as I look around in the congregation and consider the lives of so many of you, things that have happened in the recent past, things that are happening now, can say this has been a tough spring, a tough few months for our congregation, for many of you in your lives as families and as individuals. It really has. And those are just the things that I know about. There are far more things I'm sure that I don't know about. And there are far more things in your lives I'm sure that maybe very few know about. There are struggles, there are worries, there are concerns. And if not for yourself, then probably someone that you know and love. As you go through these struggles, as you come face to face with them, remember that you always can call out to God to the Almighty God, the three times holy God, the God who has everything at His disposal, the God for whom nothing is impossible, the God whom the Lord Jesus said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Know that you can go to that God and ask Him for all that you need for body and soul, Whatever situation you are, and that He will hear you, and that He will care for you, and that He loves you, because He is your Abba, Father. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come to You in our prayer, having learned from Your Word a little bit more about that incredible relationship that You have established and even sealed with us. We are Your children and that You are our Father. Teach us to understand You And to know you more. And keep us faithful in our prayers as we address you as our Father. May we always address you with the childlike reverence and trust. Which should be basic to our prayer. May we always know that you are our Father through Jesus Christ. You will not deny us what we need body and soul. O oh Lord, teach us to understand your almighty and heavenly power and to expect from you good in every situation, in every trial, with every concern and worry, as we constantly, heartfeltly, Sincerely, call upon your name. We pray it through the powerful work of Jesus Christ, through whom we are your children. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web